welcome to the One in One podcast, where a below-average podcaster chats with an above-average athlete. I'm your host, Bridget B. My guest today is Tara Schwitter, who had an amazing high school career in both soccer and basketball in New Jersey, and then ultimately decided to play soccer at the next level, and was a member of the University of Miami women's soccer team from 2010 to 2013. Tara, welcome to the show. Hey, Bridget. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Nice, nice. So you're from Oradell, New Jersey. You were born into an extremely athletic family. Your grandpa, Bill, was a minor league baseball player. Your dad played basketball and baseball in college. Your mom played volleyball and softball in college. You have a brother, Billy, that swam at Boston College, and a sister, Mora, that played lacrosse at Duke. Yeah, so... Um... When you re- when you read it out like that, it it, uh, it adds up. But um, you know, growing up, we uh, we grew up in an athletic household. Obviously, both my parents grew up playing sports and then played in in college. Um, my mom actually just got inducted into her college hall of fame, which was really fun for her and for the family. Um, oh, that's awesome! But yeah, growing up, you know, it just uh, gave us the opportunity when when we were done with our schoolwork, we would go outside and you know kick a ball around or throw a ball around or, you know, shoot some hoops in the driveway. So we kind of uh, started at a young age and then I'm one of five. So three out of the five of us ended up playing a sport in college, which was a lot of fun for, uh, for the family. Yeah, I bet. Well, one of five, where do you fall in line in that? So I'm the fourth out of five. Um, I, it goes boys, the oldest, and then I have a sister, and then another brother, and then myself, and then my younger sister. So uh, not the baby, not the middle, but uh, I think number four is a pretty good spot to be. Yeah, not bad. (laughs) So it must have been a really competitive household. Yeah, it was, and it was all fun growing up. You know, um, it was competitive. Who could run to the car fastest or, you know, who could fold the laundry the fastest and my siblings were probably sick of me after a while. Cause I, I probably created a competition out of everything, but um, it was a lot of fun. And you know, as I'm looking at the list, Boston college, Duke, Miami, the Schwitter siblings love the ACC. Yeah. yeah it's funny. It's sort of like a house divided for, uh, for a lot of the uh, basketball and football games that we watch on TV now, but um, it's funny how it worked out. None of none of the five kids in my family went to the same school. So three ACC schools, and then one of my sisters went to Georgetown, and my other brother went to uh, the conservatory, um, the music conservatory at the University of Cincinnati. So we all kind of had the opportunity to have our own college experience. But yeah, it's funny how you know three out of the five of us ended up in the uh, in the ACC. Yeah, wow, and all, all five of those are great schools. You guys are smart, too. Yeah, when my oldest siblings were looking at colleges, my parents kind of had this unwritten rule that, that the school had to be within driving distance. And then, you know, my, the brother before me ended up in Cincinnati, which, you know, you could drive to, but it's not very pleasant. And then he kind of paved the way for me to, uh, to be allowed to go to South Florida. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, the, the college process was always exciting. That's awesome. So how old were you when you started to play soccer and basketball? 
Oh, gosh. Um, honestly, kind of as long as I can remember. Um, we have a bunch of home videos of us at Disney World as little kids, and I just had a basketball uh, in my hand the entire trip. And, um, <laughs> you know, it, it grew up watching watching basketball all the time. And for soccer, I think I probably started playing on a team maybe around six or so, but I had to get bribed to go to my first practice. So it wasn't an easy start of my soccer career. I had to get uh, convinced to go to the field down the street from my house to show up for practice. So (laughs) yeah, I didn't want to get out of the car, but I think probably around six or so. Basically, as soon as you can enter the sports, you did. Yeah, exactly. Why waste time, right? My parents <laughs> probably needed to get me out of the house. <laughs> and did you ever play lacrosse or swim like your siblings had done? No, you know, I, well, all of us swam growing up just on the local swim team, and I was not good at it whatsoever. Um, definitely not my strong suit uh, being in the pool. And then my older sister played lacrosse, but by the time, you know, some of my friends were getting into it. I was already um, focused on soccer and basketball. So I played for fun here and there, um, but I never played on a team. I would, you know, kind of hop in the goal and be target practice for my sisters in the backyard, which probably wasn't a great idea. (laughs) Um, But no, I I never played it competitively. Hopefully you put your shin guards on. I feel like that ball's pretty hard. Yeah, it's, I give a lot of credit to lacrosse goalies because I tried it once in a uh, indoor scrimmage, and I think I had one shot thrown at me and, and took my helmet off. I was like, okay, this isn't for me. <laughs> I was like, I'll stick to the soccer field. <laughs> so when it's time for you to pick a high school, you choose to attend Immaculate Heart Academy, a private Catholic school, and you're actually the second IHA alum I've had on the podcast I talked to Tahira Williams, now Tahira Geis, a few months ago. She ended up playing uh, basketball at UConn after her IHA career was over. Yeah, that's so that's so funny because I remember being uh, in in middle school and watching IHA basketball games while she was on the court, and uh, she was at IHA at the same time as my older sister Megan was. So you know, all I would talk about, oh, T Williams, this T Williams, that, so. When I was younger, uh, we watched a bunch of her games, you know, um, just league games and then county tournaments and whatnot. So she was an unbelievable player. And then obviously went on to play at UConn, which is just out of control and such an impressive accomplishment. So um, I followed her career. um, I followed her career a bunch while I was younger. You must have been uh, really devastated at the 2005 debacle then, huh? Oh gosh, yeah, it was uh, it uh, it was a crazy, crazy debacle, exactly. So I bet the people of Oradell were pretty heartbroken with your decision because Riverdale, the public school, has pretty good athletics, and you only would have made them even better. Uh, yeah, Riverdale has has some great teams, and while I was in in you know seventh eighth grade at looking at high schools, um, their programs were were great women's programs in both soccer and basketball. But, you know, I think all along growing up, I knew IHA was going to be where I was headed. My mom went there. Um, my aunt went there. My older sister went there. So I kind of uh, 
I, I kind of had a feeling that's where I was going to end up, um, just to kind of follow in the family's footsteps. But um, obviously, Riverdale would have been a great result as well. And it would have been a much easier commute, but, you know, <laughs> I tacked on an extra 10 minutes, which is all right. Yeah, it was, it was in your blood. Yeah, and, exactly. And something pretty rare happens when you're a freshman. You play varsity in both soccer and basketball. That's hard to do anywhere, but it's even harder at a private school where kids are coming from all over the place, not just one specific area. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, you know, thinking about it now and... I haven't thought about high school tryouts as a freshman in a long time, but, you know, thinking about it now, I just remember being so nervous. And, you know, again, you're going into these tryouts with a bunch of girls who you've watched from the stands over the last handful of years, and everybody's so good, and I'm small to begin with, so I step onto a field with, you know, a lot of girls who were, like, twice my size or a basketball court with girls twice my size. And, you know, I was like, what, what am I getting myself into? And then obviously, you know, it all worked out. Um, and I ended up making varsity in both sports my freshman year, but you know, it's nerve wracking as a freshman going into, going into tryouts and you don't know what to expect. So I was fortunate. All of the senior girls were very nice. And, uh, you know, once you get, once you get acclimated, it becomes a little bit easier, but um, I remember being uh, a little stressed out those few days during tryouts. Yeah, and then once the games start, were you nervous at all playing against older kids? Because you're, what, like 14? That's pretty young. Yeah, so you think about it. So as a 14-year-old, you're playing against people who are a couple years older, older. And at that time, it seems like a huge difference. But, you know, not really. I think, you know, once you get into the swing of practice and – you get to know the girls on your team and you kind of get a sense of the people you're going to be playing against. It becomes less nerve wracking and you're just focused on, on the game at hand or the practice at hand. So, you know, the age difference didn't really go through my head a lot um, in game scenarios, but you know, when I was, when I was starting out my high school career, it, it definitely crossed my mind once or twice. And what positions did you play in both sports? Um, so let's see for soccer, I mostly played forward. I played some midfield as well. Um, and then at Miami, which, you know, we might get into, but at Miami, I was mainly a a center midfielder, um, at IHA, it was a little bit back and forth. And then for basketball, um, my options are a little limited (laughs) in (laughs) basketball. So, you know, I'm not really like the power forward type of, uh, stature. So mostly point guard. Um, you know, I would mostly bring the ball up and, you know, maybe play a two guard here and there, but normally I was the one guard. And were you the starting point guard as a freshman? Um, I was, yeah. I needed wow. to like pause and think about that for a second, but that's amazing. Um, you know, there were, there were a couple girls in the rotation, but, um, I got, I got time as a freshman, which was cool. Nice. And I know you played club soccer in the spring and summer. What team did you play for? So for club soccer, when I was really little, I grew up playing uh, on the Americans, which was a team based out of like the Upper Saddle River, Saddle River area. And then once I started to get a little bit more uh, serious, as I got a little bit older, I moved to a club called World Class. Um, 
which a couple of my teammates from IHA soccer were on, Ashley Clark and Rachel Wexler were on world class with me and um, a few other girls. And uh, I was, I stayed with world class through, you know, through senior year of high school. Nice. Nice. And did you also play any AAU basketball? Yeah, I did. So, you know, in high school, in the, in the, especially kind of the second half of high school, um, I mostly only played club soccer, but growing up, I played a lot of AAU basketball. Um, I played for a team called the gym rats, which they used to be based off of, um, based in a gym on route four, but they switched locations. I think they might be near Mawa now. Um, but the guy who ran that program was Danny Brown. So I don't know if that name rings a bell. Danny uh, is the coach at Saddle River Day. Okay. Um, yeah, and he was just an unbelievable coach and mentor. Um, and he was hard on us, but, you know, it was, it was tough love and intense practices that you, you knew that he really cared about his players and, you know, and kind of developing us as, as basketball players to get us to the next level. So that was a great experience when I was, you know, and at that point, I guess I was in like seventh and eighth grade, but Danny was a great coach. Nice. Is he the girls basketball coach at Saddle River Day? He is, yeah. Um, they just had a really good player um, that now plays at the University of Michigan, uh, Michelle Sadar. She had a great career there. Oh, yeah. I actually, um, that name rings a bell. I didn't, I think maybe I caught one game of Danny's over the, you know, the last few years when I, when I was home for a weekend here or there. But I, uh, I, I'm pretty sure Danny won basketball coach of the year, like the New Jersey.com basketball coach of the year and for the 27 and 18 season. And I haven't seen him in a while, but um, you know, it's, he's one of those guys where if I walked into a, a, a high school basketball gym and saw him, um, you know, we'd give each other a big hug and he'd see how I was doing and all of that. So I'm really glad to hear that uh, Saddle River Day is doing well uh, with him at the helm. You had a great career at IHA. You know, you won three state titles, um, a, a couple county titles in soccer. And at one point, IHA was ranked number one in the country in soccer, right? Yeah, so our, uh, I was very, very fortunate to be part of the IHA soccer team when I was because our, uh, our roster for, for my four years there was so strong. And, you know, my sophomore year out of the starting 11 girls, you know, maybe six, seven, or eight of us went on to play college soccer, which, you know, if you put together a high school team like that, it's, it's, it's pretty special. So, um, you know, when I was an underclassman as a freshman and sophomore, the upper upperclassmen just created a great foundation for us. You know, we had girls going to East Carolina, Villanova, Marist, uh, Miami actually, and a handful of other places. So um, we had a, we had a great group and we really connected and, you know, we had a ton of fun playing and, and I think, you know, our success obviously through some of the state titles and county titles um, is evident, but I guess more than the titles, we all just got along so well and had, had so much fun playing. So um, it was a really special few years for me as a soccer player. Yeah, sounds like you guys had great team chemistry. 
And it's crazy to me that, you know, number one in the country, I think about, oh, probably like a school in Florida or California, like one of those warm weather big states. And it's like, no, just a little school in Jersey. That's so awesome. Something you guys should really be proud of. Yeah, a bunch of people, you know, were probably checking out the rankings from California and Texas, and they were like, who the heck are these people? Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's a, it's a good point. I mean, a lot of times some of the top soccer teams and top soccer recruits, you know, are from different areas of, new, of, uh, excuse me, of the states that aren't New Jersey. So, um, you know, uh, I think it took us a while to get there, but we – we kind of had a good track record and then the year we hit number one nationally, we were kind of firing on all cylinders. So it was a lot of fun. And obviously you're recruited to play soccer in college, but were you also recruited to play basketball? Um, You know, when I started looking at different colleges, uh, soccer was definitely my main focus throughout the process. Um, I had a few back and forth with a couple schools um, on the basketball side, um, but a lot of those were maybe schools who were coming to watch some other girls who were playing, and maybe they needed a point guard or something, so we, ha- we would have a few conversations back and forth, but I would say the majority of my recruiting process was focused on soccer. And obviously, you're going to go to Miami, which we'll get into, but what other schools were in the mix for you for soccer? Yeah, so, you know, it was kind of um, it was kind of a wide net. There were a, a lot of schools in the Northeast, um, you know, it, in terms of different leagues. It was a lot of Patriot Leagues, Ivy League schools, um, a handful of ACC schools. Um, those three conferences were probably the heaviest focus on, on the list of schools that I was looking at, but... Uh, I had a ton of conversations with a handful of schools kind of up and down the East Coast, a few uh, on the West Coast, and um, obviously ended up in South Florida, which, which was a great result for a lot of reasons, which I'm sure, I'm sure we'll get into. Absolutely. So after your senior soccer season ends, you still aren't committed anywhere yet. Do I have that right? So I committed to the University of Miami um, going into senior year, which, which was late, all things considered, because obviously a lot of people commit to colleges as juniors or, you know, these days it's even earlier than that. So I was late to the, I was late to the game in terms of committing, but I had committed, um, I had committed going into senior year. Okay. So... That winter, you start your senior season in basketball. You're named a team captain, but the season ends abruptly for you because you're kicked off the team. And I I hate to use the term kicked off because it sounds like something negative happened, where to me, I think it has more to do with you planning for your future after high school. Can you tell that story, Tara? Yeah. um, You know, it... uh... It was an interesting couple days for sure. So um, I had committed to Miami. Um, the head coach at Miami, who I was going to be playing for in the next phase of my career and, you know, the next phase of my life, um, was going to be at a tournament that she had asked me to, 
you know, play at. My my club soccer team was going to be there. And, you know, it was a tough decision, but I tried to sit down and think through my options. And, you know, I, I thought then, and I still think to this day, that I had to go to the soccer tournament because my future coach was going to be there. And to your point, I was, I was planning for, for my future. So I, I went to, uh, I think I missed two and a half or three days of, of high school basketball. And when I returned to New Jersey, um, I was, I was told that I, I had my last game, um, at IHA as a basketball player is, you know, it's kind of the gist. So, um, you know, the rule then was you weren't allowed to miss a high school event for a club event. Um, you know, I'm of the opinion it was a different circumstance, but, uh, but that's kind of the, uh, the quick version of what happened. I just, I personally think this is such BS. I, I understand that why the rule is in place. You don't want a kid to continually missing games and practices for club team events. But I think, as you said, there should be some exceptions. So let me ask you this. Say your family booked a vacation to Miami for those same days that you would have missed. Would you have been welcomed back to the basketball team afterwards? Yeah, so I think, you know, once I was off the team and, you know, I'm sitting, uh, I'm sitting at home on a weekday at 5 p.m. when I used to be at practice, you start thinking, oh, what if I did this or what if I did that? And, you know, some of those what ifs are, to your point, you know, what if I was the type of person to just lie and, you know, say, oh, I have the stomach bug, you know, I can't get out of my bed for two days or something along those lines. Um, you know, a couple, couple different options like that, or, oh, my family has to take a, vac- a, a vacation, you know, so-and-so is sick and we have to go visit them. Um, you know, that could have been an option and the turnout would have been different, but I am the type of person to not go down that route. So I was trying to be as truthful as, as possible. And, you know, I didn't want to uh, go behind anybody's back and, you know, I, I was of the opinion that it was a really unfortunate circumstance because I had given, you know, just so much energy and time to the school and to the, both the soccer and basketball programs while I was at IHA. And it was just a pretty disappointing, uh, disappointing note to end my high school career on. So, um, yeah, absolutely. you know, it, it was a bummer, but yeah. And honestly, I don't even mean, uh, like someone that would lie. I, I commend you for telling the truth. But tell me, if you and me were on the IHA basketball team, you know, you're the starter, I'm like 10th on the bench. But say, you know, you have your situation for those three days, and I have a situation where I'm going to go on vacation for three days with my family. Am I still on the team when, I, when it gets back? Based on yeah, IHA Yeah, I mean, rules. unless there's... <laughs> Unless there was a, uh, you know, a footnote in the rule book that, that described that, I, I think my honest, truthful answer is like, yes, I think you would have been able to go back and been on the team. Uh, who knows? You might have had to run some sprints. You might have had to run some sprints and, uh, you know, until you turned blue in the face. But I, I would have rather done that than been kind of kicked off the team. So, 
you know, again, it was just like an unfortunate circumstance and kind of, you know, a, a disappointing way to end what at that point had been an unbelievable three and a half years of being part of, of athletics at, at the school and part of some amazing programs. So, um, but I, again, I just decided to, to be up front and I was trying to think about the future um, as well as the current team. But, um, you know, it was 48 hours I had to be away and I couldn't really, couldn't really do anything else about it. Yeah, I mean, it's a lose-lose situation for you. You either don't go to the showcase and, you know, your new, your new coach, you know, they see that you're not there, even though you're already committed for college, or you do what you did, you go to the showcase and then you're off the basketball team. I don't know. It's just such crap to me. Yeah. I think you were put in a terrible situation. I think IHA should have handled it better, should have made an exception. Yeah, no, you kind of said it perfectly. It really was a lose-lose situation. And, you know, it taught me, you know, how to, how to handle kind of those types of situations. Not everything is going to be, is going to be all roses, you know, as an adult. And when I'm done playing, when I was done playing sports and, you know, I see that in the real world now. And I guess that was one of the first experiences for me, like as a young adult at the time to have to, kind of go through something like that. So it was tough, obviously, for the winter of my senior year in high school. I was expecting a different outcome, and I was expecting to to be on the court for a few months. But, you know, it's funny. Thinking about it, it's funny how things come full circle because four years later, you know, and I'm, I'm sure we'll go into this in a few minutes, but four years later, I um, got a call to be on the Miami women's basketball team. So... It's it's funny how things work out in life, you know. I missed a few months Absolutely. at IHA, but I got a I got a year of playing in the ACC. So, um, you know, again, not an ideal situation, but it was a pretty it was a pretty cool trade off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you hit a foul shot against uh, the ACC best team, Notre Dame. So take that, IHA. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, you know, and I don't want to. I don't want to go uh, off of the list of things you, you have for us to chat about. But no, go for being it. Able to, being able to kind of play for and learn from the head coach at the University of Miami, Coach Katie Meyer, um, who has an unbelievable resume. She's, she, she's scattered around the record books at Duke as a player. She, uh, she's been at, at Miami for, you know, around 15 years. She won a gold medal with the USA national team, one coach of the year for the USA national team. She's such an impressive person. So, you know, to be able to play for her and learn from her and frankly, see how she handles um, certain situations. It, it's uh, it was really cool. And I'm very fortunate to have had that experience. So, you know, it's a give and take situation, but it's just, it makes me laugh that four years after the high school debacle, I was able to play for Coach Meyer, so um, just that's just a side note. Yeah, no, it's it's kind of like poetic justice in a way. Like you got to end your basketball career on your terms four or five years later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, poetic justice is a is a is a good way to put it. So, 
And just one more real quick question about um, that debacle. Did your family ever like consider getting a lawyer and trying to fight it, if, if that was even possible? Uh, no, you know, maybe, maybe it would have been possible. I mean, we had a handful of conversations. Obviously, um, my parents were great during the whole thing, trying to keep me level-headed. And obviously, they were upset as well. And, you know, we had, we had people calling the house to, to basically say how ridiculous it was and, you know, kind of defending me. And obviously, hearing that support made it better. Um, but, uh, no, I think as a family, it was, it was um, a learning experience for me. And thank goodness I had my parents and, like, the support of my siblings because at the time it seems like the end of the world. But they helped me get through it. But, you know, nothing more than just talking about everything and kind of, um, kind of you know, making sure that I knew – that I made the right decision in my heart of hearts. So, you know, just uh, having a good support system is, is kind of how my family helped me, helped me get through everything. Yeah, I, I agree that you made the right decision. You were looking ahead to life after high school, and at that point, that's important. And you did a great job representing IHA as a student athlete for those years. And, uh, you know, I, it's my personal opinion that you deserve better, but... You know, everything ended up being okay. You had a great career, which we're going to get into now at Miami, but it just kind of sucks, per- you know, flat out sucks. Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate you saying that, you know, all <laughs> these years later, it's still, uh, it's still kind of, it's reassuring. So um, thank you. I appreciate that. Of course. And you've been very politically correct. I haven't, and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> So the next summer comes along and you're at Miami. Was it an adjustment training in that heat? Yeah. Oh my gosh. The Miami heat, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely an adjustment to put it lightly. I remember being on a couple um, official visits at schools in the Northeast and a couple of the girls making some comments, you know, we love it here. We love the coach. It. We love the college, but sometimes we have to shovel the snow off the soccer field before practice. And I remember, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, South Florida, here I come. So yeah, right. <laughs> I went, uh, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you can't find a better city to play an outdoor sport in because we were outside basically 365 days a year. You have to deal with some, some rain showers now and then during hurricane season, but it was an adjustment. I mean, preseason is hot. Like, I went down for summer school as most of the freshman athletes did to get acclimated. So we're out there training in July, August, September, and it gets hot, but honestly, you kind of get used to it after a while. Yeah. I guess, I guess you have to, right? Yeah. You don't really have a choice, right? (laughs) And I know you mentioned this earlier, but just remind me what position were you at Miami? Yeah. So I mostly played um, in the midfield. Uh, in college, so mostly center midfield. Did you play right away as a freshman, or did you have to sit the bench and learn for a while? Uh, you know what? I played. I I didn't necessarily start right away as a freshman, but I I was fortunate in that I got a decent amount of time and um, kind of built up built up my playing time 
um, during freshman year. So um, I, I learned a ton from the upperclassmen, but um, spent some time on the bench and some time on the field. So as a freshman, it all worked out. <laughs> okay, all right, nice. And to me, like I um, – I didn't play soccer past, like, fifth grade. I find it interesting that you're only allowed three subs in a soccer game. Yeah, you are. So, I mean, it's one of those sports and soccer fans think think it's, uh, like, part of the, you know, beautiful part of the game is that it's one of the few professional or, you know, college sports where once you're out there, you know, the coach can only coach so much um, from the sideline and it's it's truly 90 minutes of, of kind of you and your teammates on the field, no timeouts, none of that. So in, in college, yes, to your point, you get a handful of subs and you can't go over that. So needless to say, our fitness level needed to be, uh, needed to be pretty high. So it, it meant a few brutal days here and there of fitness training, but it paid off in game. Yikes. Did you guys have to run like several miles at practice? Oh yeah, we would. I mean, looking back now as the old washed up soccer player that I am now, I'm like, how the heck did I get through some of those practices? <laughs> um, yeah. Now I'm like, I go for, I go for a jog and I'm sore. I'm like, oh, I'm going to pull a hamstring. So, <laughs> you know, thinking, thinking five years ago, some of the, some of the, workouts we had to do make me cringe (laughs) the Atlantic Coast Conference is a monster conference for women's soccer you've got the dynasty of North Carolina Virginia has won a few titles Florida State's won a title Duke is always really good so every game must have been a battle yeah I mean it um you know it was a big reason of why I chose why I chose Miami because, you know, to your point, playing in the ACC is kind of the, the pinnacle of women's college soccer. And I knew growing up and I knew in high school that that's where I wanted to be. So, you know, every game during conference play, you it's, it's not an exaggeration to say that most games you're playing against a ranked opponent or, you know, at least, at least half of the games you're playing against a ranked opponent. So, um, we, we, had a handful of really fun wins against, you know, guys ranked in, in the top 10 and went down to the wire with the Dukes and the UNCs of the world. Um, and it really, it really made for a special four years because every game was just an absolute grind. Yeah, you're playing the best of the best. Yeah, you know, some of the girls we played against, um, a lot of them are pro now, a handful of them are uh, – on the U.S. national team, which has obviously had an amazing run the last the last handful of years, and they're just like growing the sport so much. So a few of those girls we played against in college, and it really made for for a fun experience being able to play at that level. Did you score off any of the kids that are on the national team now? Oh gosh, um, did I? Uh, so Morgan Bryant's on the national team. I don't think I ever scored against UVA. Um, and Crystal Dunn played at UNC. She's on the national team. And unfortunately, I didn't score against UNC either. So, uh, no, I can't say that. But I, from a lot of those games, I had the, uh, the lucky job of marking those girls kind of throughout the game because we all, 
just we always ended up in the middle of the field together. So talk about games where I had to run a lot. Those, those yeah, two Crystal, players in particular Crystal are so Dunn's fast. fast. Moving. <laughs> yeah, she's fast. So um, I had my work cut out for me those few games, but it was it was fun. Nice. And over your four-year career at Miami, you, you guys always had a winning record, but Miami wasn't as dominant in the ACC as IHA had been in, you know, whatever your conference was in high school. So was it hard yeah. losing more often than you had been, uh, been used to in the past? Yeah, it's a good question, right? Because coming from a program like IHA, you're, you're, used, to, you're used to being kind of the UNCs and the and the UVAs of the, of the conference. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, we had a great, a, a great experience. Our record, you know, I don't, I don't even remember offhand what we were for all four years, but um, it was a, it was a learning curve, but a lot of the girls on our team came from programs similar to IHA around the country. So um, we all had that competitive nature and, you know, if we went down to the wire double overtime and we lost, say 2-1, you know, we were not happy at the end of it and we would be out at 6 a.m. for practice ready to work harder. So, um, yeah, you know, obviously for any athlete, losing could be frustrating, but at the same time, use it as motivation to to keep working and to get better. So that's, that's how we viewed it. For sure. So, you know, when you're in high school at IHA, you scored a lot of goals, but in college – you know, you did score goals. I'm not saying you didn't, but you had more assists than goals. That's kind of similar to the role you played as a point guard. You probably had more assists than, uh, than points. So can you kind of talk about the mindset of that? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, at IHA, I, I was more of an attacker. I had more of an attacking mindset as a forward on the, on the soccer team. And then when I moved to college, a lot of my time was spent in the midfield, and while I still had that attacking mindset, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't necessarily the, the go-to or one of the go-to goal scorers at all times. Um, you know, I kind of viewed myself more as, as a facilitator of the offense, kind of similar to what you think uh, a point guard would be on the basketball court, kind of maintaining possession, controlling the ball, settling everybody down, um, and, and kind of facilitating the motion that way. So, yeah, to your point, um, I probably took a lot of kind of my point guard IQ and, and my basketball knowledge onto the soccer field with me at Miami. That's really cool. And I've been watching more soccer um, relatively recently. Over the past, like, three World Cups, I'd say, I'll watch the women's team play, same with the Olympics. So I'm, you know, learning more and stuff. And to me... I think more times than not, the pass to give the, the assist to the goal is, is prettier than the actual goal, more impressive to me. Yeah, it's such a buildup, especially in the game of soccer. You know, like, you know, it could take 89 minutes to score one goal. So that buildup is really important, um, you know, compared to a game. I, I just keep using basketball to contrast it. But compared to a game like basketball, right, where – there's, you know, there's a basket every, every few seconds. And um, soccer is definitely more, um, you know, some people, some people who aren't soccer fans might say it's a little bit more slow paced and a little bit tougher to watch, but 
for those soccer fans, they kind of appreciate the buildup to the goal. So, um, you know, everybody has their role and, and, you know, as a midfielder, that's kind of, that's kind of your role, right? You need to put the ball in the back of the net, but you need to put, you need to put kind of your teammates in the best position to do so as well. And another role you had, you took a lot of penalty kicks for Miami. Can you talk about going into that mindset? Because to me, a penalty kick seems so nerve-wracking. Oh, yeah. They're nerve-wracking. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> but, you know, practice makes perfect, right? So we Absolutely. would have scenarios in practice all the time, all the time to take PKs. And, you know, if, you, uh, if you're in a tournament situation and you go into PKs, five girls get to, get to go. So... We kind of had our five lined up before that, but in the midst of a game, a lot of times if there was a foul that resulted in a penalty kick, um, kind of the our our coach would point to me, which you walk up to the ball and and you know the the, the net just starts getting smaller and smaller, and then you take a deep breath and um, I uh, I went to the right, I kicked to the right corner, kind of most of the time, so I had my sweet spot. Um, so it's kind of like riding a bike once you get up there and take a deep breath. Did you always kick it to that right side, though? Because I would think other teams oh, would, no. you know, be having film study on that. I know. That's why it's such a mind game. It's like, oh, do you think they watched my last PK from last game? Um, <laughs> no, you know, you try to, like, look in different ways or lean your body a certain way. But you don't want to overthink it because it's like any other sport, right? You overthink it and then the wheels fall off. So, um, you know, a lot of coaches say, like, even if you, even if they know where you're going, if you shoot the perfect PK, you know, it, it, it won't be, it won't be able to be saved. So I try not to, uh, not to think about it too much, even though, yeah, to your point, half of college athletics is, is dissecting film. You're sitting in the film room kind of talking about your opponent. So I'm sure I'm sure every team we played knew I went to the right. I probably should have thought about it more. <laughs> <laughs> and how often was your family able to come see you play? Yeah, I was really fortunate. Even though I was a you know flight away from home, my parents got to a ton of games in Miami. And then oh, wow. being in the ACC, we, we do play a couple schools in the Northeast, right? So like Syracuse, BC, those were kind of given games that my extended family uh, would make the trip up to, um, my siblings would try to get down to Miami for a game or two every season. And you know what, for my siblings, it was a great excuse to go to South Florida. So (laughs) yeah, they they, weren't uh, really going for you, Tara. (laughs) Yeah. They got like a long weekend out of it and they got to watch two soccer games. But, um, (laughs) no, my, my, uh, my parents were out a ton. My little sister was still in high school, um, while I was in college. So, you know, maybe one parent would stay home with her, one parent would come down to Miami. So, um, yeah, I was, I was lucky in that sense. And during your sophomore year, you had a home game. Yeah, you had a home game against Monmouth. How much did you wish that had been an away game, uh, like an hour away from your real home in Oradell? Yeah, so, you know, Monmouth is obviously, you know, kind of around the corner compared to Miami. And, we grew up going down the shore in Monmouth County. So that would have been ideal. I think 
the extended Twitter family would have really been out in full force if it was an hour down the parkway. So, <laughs> you know, it could have uh, it could have been a little rowdy. I have my dad's one of five and my mom's one of six. So, needless to say, there probably would have been like blowhorns in the stands if it was that moment. <laughs> Maybe it's for the best then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe it was a little more, uh, you know, kind of kind of calm given that it was at Miami. <laughs> That's funny. So, Tara, what are some of the highlights from Miami that maybe we haven't talked about over your four years? Yeah, I mean, this, okay, this is going to sound like kind of a, a cliche answer. I, I, despite the wins, like, we had some really fun upsets that, you know, we were the underdogs going into it. You know, we beat Duke, we beat Florida State, we beat uh, UVA, we beat Notre Dame all while they were ranked. Um, big highlight. And then we made the NCAA tournament uh, two out of the four years, um, which was an unbelievable highlight. It's, you know, a lot of athletes dreams to make it to the NCAA tournament. So that was such a cool experience. And then the cliche part is kind of just like the friendships that I made. Right. Which. Yeah. And that's the most important part. Yeah. And, and it's, it's such an important part in like, Sometimes people forget that's kind of why we play, why we play these games and why we all love being athletes because of the connections that we make. So, you know, some of my best friends in my life are from the Miami soccer team. And if they're not from the Miami soccer team, they're from, you know, just my experience at Miami, they might've played a different sport or, you know, I might've met them in class somewhere. So, um, you know, that was, the, the people I met down there are such a highlight of my of my four years in college. And are you able to see them a lot today? Because, you know, you're in New York now. I'm sure they were from all over the country, too. Yeah, it's funny you ask that because uh, we actually don't see each other as much as we would like. Because to your point, like, I didn't go to school in the Northeast where everybody moved to New York or or Philly or Boston after college. So a lot of my friends either stayed in South Florida or moved back home, you know, and home is all over the place. Home is mm-hmm. California, Texas, Puerto Rico, um, kind of all over the place. So uh, I don't see them as much as I would like, but that being said, it makes it makes the times we see each other even more fun because we can go months before we see each other and then we get together and, and, you know, it's, it's awesome. So, um, I have two of my, two of my good friends from Miami are in New York, but away from that, everybody's kind of scattered around. Okay. Yeah. Good excuse to hop on a plane, right? Take a few days off, see some friends. Yeah, exactly. That's what I always say. So, you know, <laughs> I have a few visitors in New York. I get to go visit a fun few spots, so it's all good. Nice. So just a really terrific four-year career at Miami that you should be proud of. Thank you. I appreciate that. And as, you, as we mentioned earlier, you then joined the Miami basketball team. So you said that they, they emailed you. They wanted you. Yeah, so it's a, it's a funny story. So the day after soccer ended, um, I got a call from the Miami basketball coach and you know, super, it was an unfortunate uh, kind of situation for the basketball team. Two of their point guards had gotten hurt. And this was, you know, a couple days before their first game. So uh, coach was kind of in a pickle and needed somebody who was on campus 
who could dribble a soccer ball and or excuse me, who could dribble a basketball and like learn the plays in time. So she uh, she called me and she asked me if I could go to the practice gym the next morning. And I went to the practice gym the next morning and we went through drills for about an hour. And uh, after that, coach said, you know, you know, all right, I'll, I'll give you a call back or whatever it may be. And she goes, okay, great. Practice is tomorrow. So it was um, definitely a unique way to get onto a college sports team. But, um, you know, I was shocked. My phone rang. I'm like, wait, who's calling? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't even know if I had a pair of basketball. Yeah, I had a pair of basketball shoes in my closet. I think I brought them down for like intramural basketball or something. Um so that's kind of uh, that's kind of the backstory. So yeah, I mean, you, you talked about intramural basketball. How rusty were you? Like, had you been playing that intramural for the four years, or had you not picked up a basketball since you know the IHA situation? Yeah, I um, I basically I had not picked up basketball. I mean, we played for fun. We played intramural for fun. Like the soccer team had an intramural basketball team. But those games are, are just for fun. You're not, like, running plays or anything. Um, so away from some random pickup games, um, kind of the first time I, like, went through drills was, was the day I showed up um, to go through this mini tryout. And it was me, a couple of the coaches, and then the practice players are guys from school. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was me and, and a few guys, and we went through – plays and drills for yeah about an hour um but you know when you grow up with a basketball under your arm for 15 years yeah disney uh, world you kind of gotta like yeah you kind of gotta like get the cobwebs out and then you start feeling like your own self (laughs) and real quick side note i'm shocked that you guys were allowed to have an intramural basketball team like your soccer team because what if someone got hurt i don't know if i was a soccer coach i'd I'd probably uh, nip yeah. that in the bud, be like, nope. Yeah, I, there was a rule where, you know, we, like, couldn't do anything during season, but then you get back to campus after winter break, and you're, like, you have, like, cabin fever when you sit in your uh, your dorm room too long. So we probably took it, like, too seriously, considering everybody else was just playing for fun. But <laughs> then you have, like, five soccer girls roll in, and, yeah, you know what? Knock wood, I'm, I'm glad nobody ended up getting hurt because that would not have been a fun conversation with our coach. Yeah, but I mean, it's still, it's fun that you got to do that. You know, you got to have a little fun. Playing a D1 sport, there's such a time commitment. So, you know, when you can have fun. Oh, yeah, we needed to, it. like, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I got to ask you, how was it going against Division One basketball height in practice? Because you're only 5'4", and... It's fine for soccer, but it's a little on the short side in basketball. And I don't, I, I feel yeah. like I'm being a jerk, but, uh, you know, we talked about it off the podcast. You dropped 30 on me in high school, so you're, you're a good basketball player. Don't worry. <laughs> oh. oh, gosh, no. I mean, trust me, I think in, in college basketball, I think I stepped in the paint like once, and I probably <laughs> had my shot blocked in practice, and I said to myself, okay, I'm going to hang around the three-point line from now on. Um I mean, the I, the girls were. I think maybe our point guard. Uh, I'm five four. If I had to guess, they were probably like our guards were probably like five seven. 
five eight, like minimum. So then, you know, obviously like the forwards and our center were over six feet and you know, you feel I, I didn't I never really felt that small in the soccer field and then I walk onto the basketball court with some of these girls <laughs> and I'm like, Yep, I am I am gonna stay right on the three point line. <laughs> <laughs> But a really cool experience for you is that you got into two games. So tell me about that. Oh, gosh, yeah. So I got into two games, uh, one at home. Uh, we were playing a school, St. Francis of Brooklyn. It was, a early, um, it was like an early tournament kind of to start out the season. And then um, that's who I – that's who I – I got fouled when I was in, when I was in the game and it was the double bonus. So I had two foul shots and I've never been that nervous in my entire life. Uh, my like knees were going to buckle on the foul line and I missed the front end of the one and one. And I, in my head, I'm just like, Oh no, please, please make this foul shot. So I could at least be in the record book with one point and, you know, end up making the second thing goodness. So if people think I'm lying, I, uh, I have one point to prove it. And then my second game was at Notre Dame, which is such a cool stadium in South Bend. Um, really cool experience. It was a snowstorm. It was terrible outside, and the stadium was, like, sold out. It was so fun. Um, and I got in, you know, at the tail end with a few minutes left. So, you know, I could say I played a basketball game at Notre Dame, which is, which is fun. That's awesome. So I, I guess I got it wrong before. Your one point wasn't against Notre Dame. Oh no! It was against St. Francis, but you know what? It sounds it sounds cooler if I say it sounds better, Notre right? I should just, <laughs> yeah, I should just stick with that. All right, all right, that's what we'll do. <laughs> After you graduate from Miami, you attend Duke for grad school. So why did you pick Duke? So um, let's see. So after Miami, I was trying to figure out kind of the next step. I, I had an opportunity to go play soccer. Um, overseas in the Scottish Premier League. Um, actually went over there to, to train with the team and oh, for wow. a couple of days. And then when I came when I came back, I in the interim I had been applying to a couple of grad schools. And when I came back I had gotten my acceptance letter from, from Duke to be uh, to go to a program at their business school. So I uh, I decided it was time to hang up the cleats and, you know, I Got my. It was a one-year master's program in their business school, um, so I headed up to Durham. Well, up to Durham from Miami. Uh, I was there for a year. It was such a fun experience. My younger sister played lacrosse at Duke, so at the time I was in my fifth year and she was a sophomore. So we got to both be in Durham for a year together, which was a blast. And then, uh, obviously, the academics were great, and the friend group just you know, kind of uh, going off my conversation about my friends at Miami. My friends at Duke were amazing, and that's the group of people who kind of all moved to New York after we graduated from Duke. So, um, you know, it was a great experience. While I was there, actually, it was a great year because, um, because Duke won the national championship in 2015. And oh, yeah, that is a great year to, to be there. Yeah, so we got to experience it. Um, we got to go to a few games at Cameron Indoor, uh, including when Miami played them, and Miami won in Cameron Indoor. Uh, nice. Were you rooting for Miami? There. 
Yeah, I was like the only kid in the cheering in the uh, student section with an orange shirt on. Yeah, did um, the Cameron Crazies beat you up? Yeah, they were not. They were not happy about it. But you know, <laughs> other than that, other than when Duke plays Miami, Duke is my basketball team. So um, it was really cool being there the year the year they won the national championship. And did you go to the Duke UNC game? Yeah, I did. It was crazy. Oh, I'm so jealous. So, yeah, so we got to, uh, you know, we were in the student section for that as well, and it was really fun. So I lucked out. After, you know, only being in Durham for, you know, a year, we got a few really, really good games that we were able to see in person. So, uh, you know, I uh, I don't take that for granted. Yeah, and if, I, if I'm remembering correctly... That was the game that they honored Dean Smith, right? And I think Duke came back and won. Yeah, good memory. I have a weird memory for, like, things that, like, don't really matter. (laughs) Hey, that matters. Duke-UNC, any Duke-UNC basketball game matters, so. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's definitely on my, like, sports bucket list to get to Duke uh, versus UNC at Cameron Indoor. Oh, yeah, it was a blast. I I mean, if you can find your way down to Durham for one of those games, you won't regret it, that's for sure. Yeah, no, I believe you. So an undergraduate degree from Miami, a grad degree from Duke, that's really impressive. So what are you up to these days? Yeah, so now I'm just, you know, washed up. I play a pickup <laughs> soccer game, and I can't walk. I can't walk for a few days after. Uh, no, but since I moved to New York, I've been, uh, I've been working at Morgan Stanley. I, uh, I started in sales and trading. So on the trading floor, right out of grad school. And then recently I moved into an investment banking role. So I've been at Morgan Stanley the whole time, but I've had two different, two different jobs there. So it's been a, it's been really great. Um, it's crazy. It's been, you know, nearly five years since I've been out of school already. Um, but working and living in, in New York has been fun. And now I'm back, uh, back close to home. So I get to hop over the George Washington bridge and see my family. So, um, so it's all good. That's great. And sounds like you have a nice, nice career going for you. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I can keep it up. So, um, you know, it's been, yeah, it's been good. So I like to end the podcast with a couple of fun questions. How does that sound to you, Tara? Perfect. Let's do it. All right. You spent four years in Miami. How often were you in South Beach? Oh, gosh. Um, not as often as you would think. Uh, I'll, say, I'll say once a month, maybe. Okay. And that might be that might be overshooting it. And have you ever been like in front of the Gianni Versace man- mansion? I have not. You know what? I have like a, a list of things that I never did when I was at Miami. And that was one of them. Yeah. That's like the one thing I'm dying to do when I go to Miami. I just want to like take yeah. a picture outside of the mansion. We probably like drove past it at some point And I didn't realize that was the mansion. Um, but no, I haven't like I haven't gone there and taken pictures and like really done it like a like a tourist attraction. So next time I'm down there, I'll take a few pictures. All right, yeah, I'm going to Miami for the first time 
at the end of February. So uh, I'll send you my mansion picture. Oh, yes. Perfect. Please do. All right. Who is your favorite professional athlete? Oh, man. Uh, let's see. Favorite professional athlete. There are just so many. And this is kind of, you know, you might think it's kind of out of left field, but I really, really like Roger Federer. Um, okay, the tennis player. He's good. Yeah, to kind of to kind of move it away from soccer or basketball because there are a ton of soccer and basketball, uh, you know, there are a ton of soccer and basketball male and female athletes who I could go on and on about. Um, but I would say favorite non-soccer slash basketball athlete is Roger Federer. Okay, that's a good one. And last question. What show are you currently binge watching? Oh, I just started Succession on HBO. Okay, I heard that's good. I haven't gotten into that yet. I just started it. I'm like three episodes in. Um, and then my, the, you know, the lighthearted series is Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Okay, I've heard good things about that one, too. Yeah, that one's pretty funny. So, um, you know, I, I can sneak in a few episodes of, of that when, when I get home from work to kind of close out the day. Nice, nice. Yeah, I just started, uh, it's the new Netflix show. It's called Spinning Out. It's about figure skating, but it's also dealing with, like, mental illness, and it's got some romance. It's, it's, it's a good one. Wait, is it? Is it like a reality show or is it a series? No, no, it's like a, what's the, what's the term, scripted show. Oh, really? That sounds yeah, great. You know I'm going to have it? to put that on my watch list. Yeah, yeah, check it out. I'm, I've only watched two or three episodes, but um, so far I'm, I'm pretty obsessed. When, once we stop this podcast, I'm probably going to watch the next episode. <laughs> well, I'll probably watch an episode of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, so we're even. <laughs> yeah, the kid from... Um, Hunger Games is in it, the, the one that played the little sister. She's, like, older now. It's weird. That is, yeah, that's, like, fast forward, what, 10 years? Pro- at least, probably. Yeah, at least. It's probably more than 10 years. Well, that's a good No, no, wait. I feel like out. the movie was, like, 2012. You're aging us more than you okay. have to, Tara. Yeah, when in doubt, I just say 10 years. Like, I'm like, <laughs> oh, 10 years ago. <laughs> that's funny. Tara, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I had a blast talking with you. Yeah, this was so fun. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, I can't wait to, uh, to listen to your future episodes going forward, see who else you have on. Yeah, thank you. And you know what? I forgive you for dropping like 30 points on me in high school. It's good. We're good now. <laughs> good. I'm glad we made amends. That makes me feel better. <laughs> Awesome. All right, Tara. I'll talk to you soon. All righty. Take care. Bye. All right, everyone. That was my conversation with Tara Schwitter. I thought she was really impressive. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. And to be honest, I don't think she dropped 30 points on me in high school. Probably more like 25. I'll be back soon to speak with another outstanding athlete.